Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, man. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Zach and I'm the pastor here at River Club Church. Just uh, excited about all this going on. Before we jump into the teaching time this morning, I want to give a final update on our annual oyster roast this year. Uh, our, our, our beneficiary, Anne-Marie, uh, and her family um, had a great time. They're able to be with us, but uh, we met and people gave. We had over 1,600 people come through the line and be a part of that day. And uh, people have been continuing to give uh, since that date. And so uh, as of today, 44, over $44,000 has been given to support that family. So I want to thank you guys for that in a great way. And so was, a lot of people came out, uh, served, uh, were a part of the event, invited people to come with them. And so just a, a great great opportunity. And so I want to thank you guys for being a church that really loves and cares about other people in a very tangible way. And kind of on that same line, when you came in on your, your seats were some invite cards. These are invite cards for you uh, to kind of help you in terms of inviting people to come to Easter at River Club here in a couple of weeks. We're going to have a great, great morning. And so, listen, we always talk about inviting people to come. And I know that for some, you know, maybe it's a little more awkward than than others about, okay, how do you kind of go and have that conversation and invite somebody? So today and then next Sunday, we want to give you a couple examples of how not to invite somebody to come to church. You got to check this out. I'll be inside in a minute. I want to say hey to Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Mike. Flower beds are looking good, neighbor. Yep. You guys should get back from church. Ah, yeah, yeah, just been at the church house. I wonder why he never invites me to church. I mean, I'd go if he asked me to go. But this is the way it is. I'm out in my front yard when he comes home from church. It's always so awkward. It's so awkward. And I'm so hungry. Ugh. I think my wife made goulash. I love goulash. Oh, maybe Joe would like some goulash for lunch. Hey, Joe. Here comes the invitation to church. Yeah? You want to come over sure, for Sure, I'd goulash? love to go to church with you. What'd you just say? What'd you just say? No, what... No, what'd you say? What'd no, you what say? you say? You said something about God. God, God. Goo. 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 Goulash. Goulash? Goulash. It's a... You're having goulash at your church? No. No, at my house. You're having... You're inviting me over for goulash? Yeah. At your... Goulash? Yeah, who doesn't like goulash? I like some goulash. Yeah, sign me up. Goulash! I'll check and make sure we have enough. I see you walking away. So we're setting the bar pretty low in terms of how to invite somebody and how not to. So, uh, no, but listen, don't miss out on this opportunity to invite somebody to church uh, these next couple of weeks, but also and specifically on Easter Sunday. Well, hey, if you're new today, we're uh, coming to the last couple of weeks of a series we've been in called Love Fredericksburg, The Art of Neighboring. And and to kind of catch you up and, and, and tell you kind of where we've been, we're, we're looking at what Jesus said was the most important thing. We talk about this verse a lot, this idea a lot. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked, 
what's the key to life? What's, what's, what's the thing that really focus my heart around and commit myself to? And he said two things. He said, number one, to love God, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. And the second thing, the second thing that should flow from that is to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the law, all the prophets, all the Bible hangs on these two foundational ideas. And so for this series, we've been looking at this idea of what does it mean to truly love your neighbor, but not just in this general sense of we're supposed to love everybody. I mean, we are, but the idea is if we, if we shoot for everybody, oftentimes we'll actually hit nobody. And so it's this idea of, you know, how do we love the people closest to us and taking Jesus literally to love our neighbors. So we have this on the back of your note sheet. We've been talking about this, that no matter where you are, who is God calling you to love? Who's he calling you to, to really focus on? And, and the idea is really from this book called The Art of Neighboring by two pastors. And, and here's the thing, the, the reality is this, that, that loving others is an easy concept, but it's not always simple. Or sorry, excuse me. It's a simple concept, but it's not always easy. I was checking to see if you're paying attention. It's a simple concept, but it's not always easy. And so I'm in this journey with you guys, and I kind of hesitate to ask this question uh, because the first service let me down a little bit, but who would say, okay, I've been a part of this journey with you. Zach, I have taken some step, some step, to get to know my neighbors a little bit more. How many people? All right, all right. Better, better job. I'm not feeling too discouraged, okay? But there's two more ways, because here's the thing. It's a, it's a simple idea, right? But it's not always the easiest thing to do. So I shared with you guys my own story of kind of being in our house for 11 and a half years. And really we have some people behind us that they're uh, office buildings and stuff like that. Uh, our two neighbors that we know pretty, pretty well on both sides, but then... The couple over here we know, but then there's this house here on the corner. This guy's name's Curtis. I, I'll talk to you about Curtis. And I said that we, we know his name's Curtis, not because we met him, but because we were told his name was Curtis, right? And so my thing was, okay, throughout this series, that's the, the family, that's the couple that God's kind of put on my heart to say, here's your next step. You got to go talk to Curtis. And so uh, as, as a life group, our, my, our life group is studying this book. And so each week we talk about very simple next steps. Um, who, what is your next step? What neighbor are you praying for? And then what are you going to do this week? And so week one, we said, listen, okay, our, our next step is we, we've got to go meet Curtis. We, we've got to go, go over, get to know him, you know, take the awkward step, break the ice. 11 and a half years later, get to know him, right? And so the week goes by, we come back for week two of our life group and we're like, we didn't go do it, right? So, so we didn't do it. So we said, okay, what's our next step? Well, we're still on the first step of having to go talk to Curtis, right? Well, so the second week is, is, is coming by. So we're almost three weeks into the study, and, I, and I'm leading this, right? And so last Monday, our, our life group meets on Monday night. So last Monday, we're getting ready for life group, and, and God just kind of put it on my heart. He said, listen, you've not done what you're supposed to be doing. And I'm like, okay, okay. So it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. So I FaceTime my wife, Kristen. She's, she's at home uh, on, on Monday. She works part-time. She's at home on Mondays. And so she's got Layla. She's getting ready for small groups. She's cooking, cleaning the house, all that kind of stuff. And so I call her up and here's what I say. I go, hey, babe, um, can we make some cookies so before small group I can run them over to uh, Curtis? And like a very loving wife, she says, who's we, right? <laughs> 
She's like, we can't make cookies because I've got two doctor's appointments. I got to finish getting food ready for, for our life group. I got to do all that kind of stuff. So it's up to you. And I'm like, well, come on. And she's like, no, listen, you've had two weeks. You know how to make cookies. And I'm like, all right, fine, fine. So I'm you know, kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, and so then I'm getting ready and I'm going home. I'm like, you know what? I don't need cookies. I, I, I hear God, if, if, if I come home and the truck is in the driveway, I'm going to go over and I'm just going to go meet him, right? So I drive by, get home, truck's not in the driveway. I'm like, okay, small group starting, like, you know, he needs to come home, right? So I keep kind of like looking out, you know, to see if there's any cars there. And so, you know, not showing up, not showing up, not showing up, clock is ticking, right? And my wife says, hey, we need some more stuff at the store. So I'm like, okay, sorry, I go run to the store real quick. And as I'm, and I'm driving past his house to go to the store, I'm like, oh, his truck's there, okay? But I got to go to the store first. So I go to the store. I come back, we get in, I'm like, okay, I don't have any cookies, but I have a beautiful little baby, baby daughter. So I grab her, right? Because I'm like, if I walk up, they might not open the door, but who's going to say no to Layla, right? And so then Piper, my, my 11-year-old daughter's like, I want to go. I'm like, babe, can you put on some different clothes? Because like, you know, she was like in the whole like, I'm home for the night clothes. I'm like, no, listen, let's put on something else, right? And so we go over and I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. So I, I go and get a white note card and I write down, Zach and Chris and Ashley, address and cell phone numbers. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him this card and say, you know what? Here's who I am. We've been here all this time. If you ever need anything, we just want to be a good neighbor. So we walk outside and we're walking over to the house. And Curtis's wife, Lisa, I know her name now, is, is coming into her house with groceries. But it's that, it's that awkward, we're, we're not close enough to actually get to her house before she goes inside. So in my mind, I'm thinking, do I just like start yelling at her? Like, hey, neighbor, you know, like, you know, and try to stop her. Like, she's going to think I'm trying to stop, like, you know, what's going on? So we're walking. I'm like, Layla, come on. You know, she's like two years old. I'm like, let's go, let's go. So we get there like 15 seconds after she shut the door, which is always awkward, right? And so I go walking up and maybe you've made this step or this is the part part that scares you. Piper runs up, rings the doorbell. She's like, dad, what are you going to say? I'm like, I have no idea, right? (laughs) I have no idea. What am I going to say? I'm going to say, door opens, right? Lisa's standing right there. I've got Layla here. I've got a note card in my pocket. Piper's over here. And I'm like, hey, I'm Zach. That was all that came out, right? And she's like, hey. And I'm like, listen, listen. I said, you know, we've got this really great pastor. Didn't tell her the pastor. We've got this really great pastor at our church, right? And he's challenging us to actually get to know our neighbors. And uh, I didn't say that. I'm just playing. And, and so... Um, you know, so listen, it's been 11 and a half years. We've lived two houses down to you. So I'm just officially coming over and saying, I want to, I want to introduce myself, you know? So guess what happens? Like, as soon as I say that, here's her response. We've lived here for 11 and a half years too. We've never come over and said, hi, you know, we're just so busy. I'm like, she's listing all the excuses I talked about, right? You know, and all this kind of stuff. And then, so Curtis comes from the, the back and he's like, Hey, what's going on? And had this great conversation. I give her the note card. I'm like, listen, we just want to, you know, be a good neighbor. If you guys ever need anything, you watch your dog or something like that. They're like, yeah, we're going out of town here in a couple of weeks. Maybe your girls can come watch the dog. I'm like, Oh yeah, we're perfect. You know? So we're sitting there and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking small groups fixing to start. Like I'm having this long conversation, which is great, but I got to get back, you know? And so I'm all that kind of stuff. So we're talking, they ended up knowing I was a pastor, which is probably why they never came by, you know, and like say, cause we knew some other people like all that, you know? And so we're like, okay, great. You know, so we do the awkward, like, okay, time to go, you know? So we go walking across and we're all kind of skipping back across the yard, you know, Jim, our other neighbors walking across and giving a high five, you know, it's like, he has no idea why, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, and 
So we go back inside the house. I look at my watch. Our life group starts at 530. It is 527. I'm like, yeah, did it. So I sit down with small group, with our life group, and some of them are here today. And I'm like, hey, let's give an update this week. And Kristen goes, well, you got a story. I go, Shh, no, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm going to end this thing, right? You know? So I share the whole deal, what happens and all that kind of stuff. So here's why I tell you that. Because I'm just like you, right? I am just as busy. I am just as, for some of you guys, just as much of an introvert. I like coming home, not talking to anybody. Like, I, I like all that. And it's awkward to go over, especially if you've been living, you know, within like 300 yards of somebody, 100 yards of somebody for, for 11 and a half years. But if we're not willing to take that first step, then we're not truly willing to love people like Jesus tells us to love people. So hopefully my story will encourage you because listen, it took me way too long to do that. And I'm not telling you that story to say, look, Zach did it. I mean, kind of, but no, I'm, I'm telling you that story because I want you to understand that it's not that hard of a concept. It's very simple, but it's not easy. And today I want to talk to you about one of the things that makes loving people so difficult sometimes. And it's, it's kind of this idea that when you get involved with other people, when people get involved with us, we get involved sometimes with messy people, with messy situations. Sometimes if you truly want to get involved in relationships and loving your neighbor, but not just your neighbor, if you're in a relationship at all, relationships can be messy. Relationships can be hard. They can be difficult. They can be awkward, you know, because we're imperfect people. In, in the book, they, they, they talk about this, and I thought this was a kind of a great way to start. Here's what they say. They say, it's not a secret that when our lives become entwined with others' lives, it's natural for problems to surface. Boundaries can get crossed. Expectations can go unspoken and unmet. Anger and misunderstanding can emerge. And somewhere along the line, things may need to be clarified as to what you will and won't do to help out a neighbor. Listen, have you ever been in that situation where you got involved in somebody's life and you got involved in all the mess? Like you went over to help out and you had no idea what you were getting into. Or maybe somebody came to ask you for help and you found yourself kind of dragging them into what was going on in your life and you kind of felt bad because you're like, I, I know that this is not what they had in mind when they came by and said, hey, can I help you out a little bit? Or maybe you're just in a situation, right? Because listen, we're all imperfect people. We all have messy parts of our life. But maybe you've been in a situation where, you know, you went to try to help somebody and, and you, you, you did something, but you walked away going, should I have done more? You know, did I, did I do enough? You know, or maybe, maybe should I have done something different? Like they didn't respond the way I thought they would, or they didn't really do what I was hoping that would be the outcome of this. And you found yourself in that, that place of just saying, you know, what, what's the right way to love imperfect people? Well, one of the things that I think keeps us from getting involved in relationships and sometimes being hesitant to really get to know people is, is that we're, we're concerned about that question of, well, how much is too much? How, how little is the, the right amount? How do I have a healthy relationship when relationships have a tendency to go unhealthy pretty quick. And this isn't just a Christian problem. 
right? It's a relational problem. So you, you might be here today because somebody invited you, or you're here today and you're, so you're, you're checking out Jesus. You're, a follow, you're not a follower of his, but you're kind of like, I don't really know if I you know, believe in how, is the Bible really relevant and stuff? Listen, the Bible is going to show us, I believe today, something that can drastically and very practically impact our lives, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. But understanding this, that following Jesus is the best way to have what it takes to make decisions that involve and lead us to healthy relationships. And so in Galatians chapter 2, if you have a Bible, turn to that. If not, it'll be on the screen. Actually, Galatians chapter 6, Paul's writing to this church of Jesus followers. And he's writing about relationships. And, and here, here's what he says. He, he talks very practically about this idea of, of how do we love imperfect people well. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they're something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they should take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Let's jump to verse 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So Paul says a couple things that kind of seem like they may be in opposition. He begins by saying this, to carry each other's burdens. He ends by saying, let us do good to all people, especially those who are in the family of God. He says, listen, we have a responsibility to help people out. But then he also says in verse 5 that for each one of us should carry our own load. So there's this tension and there's this kind of back and forth between our responsibility and then for, for somebody else and our personal responsibility for our own life for our responsibility to somebody, but also their personal responsibility. And here's kind of the big idea for today, write this down, that there, there's a difference, that there's a difference between being responsible to and responsible for our neighbors. There's a difference between being responsible to somebody and being responsible for somebody. And that little difference of those two words is something that, that actually makes a huge difference in what it means for us to live out healthy relationships. Because being responsible to people is a healthy thing, but being responsible for people is an unhealthy thing. Well, let's kind of talk about what, what the difference is. And Paul actually talks more than maybe it appears because of what he's saying here. So he begins in verse two saying this. He says, to carry each other's burdens. And then in that way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to love God and to love others. So by carrying each other's burdens, that's actually living out this idea of loving our neighbors. Well, what does it mean? That, that idea of burden is this. It's, it's this, this word that means an excessive weight. So something that's impossible to carry alone. So when Paul talks about carrying each other's burdens, he's talking about carrying those things and helping people out when, when life gets to a point where they can't do it on their own. And he says, it's kind of like, think about a boulder. You know, a giant boulder is something that you can't carry all by yourself. You have to have help. You need help to carry that. 
And Paul says, loving people, loving your neighbor is helping them carry these burdens, these weights in their life. But then he also in verse five says that each one should carry their own load. Well, if we're supposed to help people carry their burdens, but we're supposed to carry our own load, what's the difference between a burden and a load? Well, the word that Paul uses for load is kind of like cargo. It's more like a backpack. It's, it's the everyday things, the everyday responsibilities. And Paul says, listen, that there's a time where we need to help carry people's burdens, their giant boulders. But we also understand that we have a personal responsibility to carry our own backpack, to carry the everyday things. In other words, we're responsible to help people carry these giant boulders, but we're not responsible for people carrying their daily burdens. That there's a point where we're called to help somebody, but we're not responsible for the results, for the outcomes. In, in this book called Boundaries um, by uh, Henry Cloud and, and John Townsend, it's, it's one of like the, the greatest books on you know, what are healthy boundaries look like? And they talk about this analogy of the boulder versus the backpack. And, and here's what they say. They say this, the problems arise when people act as if their boulders are daily loads and refuse help. Or as if their daily loads are boulders they should not have to carry. The result of these two instances are either perpetual pain or irresponsibility. Here's what he says. He said, unhealthiness comes in relationships when we get mixed up between what's a boulder and what's a daily load between what's a boulder, this special, excessive weight, and what's just kind of our responsibility. And that when people treat these excessive weights, these really hard times in their life as something that is just a daily load, then they don't ask for help. And they find themselves in this perpetual pain. They, they never get help because they don't, they don't want to burden somebody else with their burden. But on the flip side is when people act like their daily responsibilities, their personal responsibility is something that somebody else should carry, then it leads them to be an irresponsible person. And that what happens is this, is that when we mix up the idea of being responsible to somebody, to help them, to love them, to bless them, to serve them, with being responsible for somebody, with the outcomes, the results, with their attitudes, their heart, and the things that we are, we are not to control, then unhealthy boundaries come out. All right, a couple of examples. So in the, in the, the book, Yard of Neighboring, they talk about this one story of this neighbor who uh, lived next door to a single mom and her young adult son. The young adult son gets uh, uh, some speeding tickets and gets a DUI, loses his license. So license is suspended for a year. So throughout that time, he's not been able to hang it, hold, hold down a job and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, the family's kind of come into some hard circumstances. Well, the, the young man gets his license renewed. And the, the mom is sharing one day with the neighbor that, that the son has a hard time going to work and having a job because he doesn't have transportation. And so the guy, the neighbor, finds himself in a situation to say, okay, I'm responsible to help these people. Well, how do I do that? Do I write a check to buy him a car? And he says, listen, I have this old car. Do I just give the car to the son and say, here's a car, it's free, you know, whatever you want to do. You know, like, what, what's my responsibility? He says, okay, well, listen, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm not that I'm empowering somebody and maybe not just enabling their bad decisions. So here's what he chooses to do. He sells the car, not to the young man. He sells the car to the mom at a deeply discounted rate, one that she can afford. He's sacrificially doing something to them, but here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm helping them out 
But if he, the young adult, doesn't go get a job, I'm not taking responsibility for that after the fact, that it's up to him. So say somebody, you know, maybe your neighbor loses a job and they come to you and they're sharing what's going on and you're kind of like, well, maybe I should help give them some money and or maybe some loan them some money and they ask for that. And so let's say you do that and you feel like this is the good way to help them out, to serve them in the situation. But they come back a month later and they're asking for the same thing. And as you talk to them, they haven't really done anything to change their situation. You know, they really haven't gone to look for a job. They really haven't worked on things. And so you're kind of in that position again of saying, okay, am I responsible for them or am I responsible to them? I've already done something to support them. But how do I make sure I'm not enabling them, but I'm empowering them? So maybe you loan them some money, but maybe you say, listen, here's the deal. If in doing that, I want to, let me help you with your resume. Let me help connect you to some people and empower them. Here's what they say in the book. They say that we're responsible to love, to encourage, to bless, to pray for, and to help. But we're not responsible for outcomes, for consequences, for emotions, for reactions, or for feelings, or someone else's choices. It's the difference between being on the hook to provide a solution helping a person find a solution for him or herself. You know, we talked about in the very week one, the Good Samaritan story. How the Good Samaritan was somebody who, you know, saw a man in need and he went over to the man and he, he, he bandaged him up. The man had been beaten. He had been left for dead. He went and bandaged up his wounds. He went and, and, and got him a place to stay and paid for the room for a couple nights. He gave the innkeeper some money for a couple days. And he said, listen, if, it, if the expenses go higher than this, I'm going to come back. But, but guess what the man did? The Samaritan took care of him, but he continued on his journey. Did he do everything possible for him? No. But what he did was significant. See, we're not responsible for outcomes in people's lives. We're not responsible for their decisions. We are responsible to help as God leads us. And so write this down. And so if we're going to learn to love our neighbors, the key to loving our neighbors in healthy ways, it means we've got to set right boundaries. We've got to learn how to set right boundaries. Well, what does a boundary do? Well, here's what a boundary does. A boundary determines where my property and my responsibility begins and ends. That's what a boundary is. Think about the boundaries of your house. If you live in a house or even an apartment or a townhome or have some land, whatever, there's a boundary, there's a property line. And everything within that property line is what you own. And ultimately, you're responsible for that. So if, you know, if your grass is dying... It's not your neighbor's responsibility to water your lawn, right? If your neighbor's lawn is dying, it's not your responsibility to water their lawn, right? Now, that's because that your property and what you own is very defined. Relationships get hard because sometimes we're not sure what's ours and our part and what's really somebody else's. Well, that's why a boundary is important. Look what They say in this book, boundaries, they say boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership. Knowing what I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Listen, we might get annoyed by 
the, the, the neighbor next door about how they keep their yard or how they don't do whatever on their house. But at the end of the day, there's freedom because it's not our responsibility. We're not responsible to go over and to do the work for them. Like we have a responsibility to them, to love them, to encourage them, to care for them, to help out if they need help with fixing whatever's broken in their house. But at the end of the day, we're not responsible for it. And that brings freedom. He says, if I know where my yard begins and ends, I'm free to do what I like. Taking responsibility for my own life opens up many different options. However, if I don't own my life, my choices and my options become very limited. Boundaries are like rules of the game for a relationship. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the, the two final four games, but it, two incredible games, the championship games on Monday night. But, but here's the thing. What makes a, an athletic event, a game, the best it can be are the boundaries and the rules, right? If there was no out-of-bounds line, then there would be no way to know when the ball went off into the crowd, like whose ball was it? And it would just kind of be chaotic, and it wouldn't really be the, you know, the game. If somebody's, you know, Drive into the lane and they get clobbered by the defender and they get, you know, totally taken out doing the layup that they have to stop the game because the boundary has been crossed. And if we didn't stop the game and didn't have the rules, then, then the game itself wouldn't really be a game that could be played to the best that it could be. Well, the same thing's true in relationships. Proper boundaries, knowing what's our responsibility and others' responsibility, that helps create good relationships. A relationship with no boundaries is not going to be a healthy relationship. And so that's just an important thing to understand. And see, Jesus modeled boundaries. And he modeled them for us. Listen, Jesus didn't heal every single person he came in contact with. Jesus didn't meet the needs of every person that was around in the world at that time. There were times where Jesus, in front of a crowd, said, listen, I've got to go. That, that, that I've done what I can. I've got to go. I've, I've got to go, go, go and pray. I've got to go and recharge. And he would actually go away from crowds that were there to meet with him. Because he needed boundaries. He needed the right way of saying, this is how I relate to you, but then how I'm not responsible for you. And so what I want to share in the, the few minutes we have left is I want to share four unhealthy boundaries. Four ways that we can allow unhealthiness to come into our life and come into our relationships. And I want you to maybe identify, okay, is this something that I'm guilty of? Or maybe is this something that is making this relationship not healthy and not work? And and if that's the case, then okay, what do I need to do with God's help to make sure that I establish and set the proper boundaries, that I make sure not to become responsible in my mind for somebody for the outcome, for the result, for the things that I can't control, but I would be responsible to do what God's called me to do, to love them, to serve them, to pray for and to care for them. So four different ways we choose unhealthy boundaries. Here's the first one. The first way we can do that is sometimes we become what what they call in this book a compliant. And a compliant is a person who says yes to the bad. So a compliant is somebody who says yes to bad things, to unhealthy things. So this is the person who has a hard time saying no. This is the person who doesn't really have established, firm boundaries. Their boundaries are very fuzzy. Their boundaries aren't clear. That there's somebody who, they're kind of like a chameleon. They, They become 
whoever and do whatever they think somebody else wants them to do. And so this is the person that ultimately takes responsibility for somebody. That if somebody doesn't like them, if somebody makes a bad decision, then they own that to the point where they feel like they have to fix it. And they have to be the one to solve everything. But in doing that, they they don't keep this proper boundary and they open themselves up to unhealthiness. Proverbs 4.23 tells us this, "To, to guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. See, we gotta be careful with our heart in our life. And one of the ways we do that is through boundaries. But the, the compliant person is the person that says, listen, I'll become whoever I feel like I need to become to make you happy. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that you still like me at the end of the day. I'll even go against the thing I know to be true and know to be right because I don't want to disappoint you. And see, what they misunderstand is that there are some things that we're responsible for in people and some things we're responsible for in ourselves. And here's some examples. There are certain things that we're responsible for in ourselves, but not other people. That we're responsible for our own feelings and our thoughts. That we're responsible for our own feelings and our thoughts. If, if you think that your feelings are dictated by what somebody else does, you don't understand your responsibility. Your feelings, your thoughts are dictated by you. The same is true in the opposite. If you feel like that this person doesn't like you, and this person, you know, has bad feelings about you and you feel like that's your fault, that you've caused this, you're controlling. But at the end of the day, you can't control somebody else's feelings. You can't control somebody else's thoughts. You can try as hard as you want to and they might still think that negative thing about you. The other thing are attitudes and beliefs. You might think that, listen, that, that I have to control somebody else's attitudes and beliefs. That if they believe something that's wrong, I've got to try to fix that. At the end of the day, we can present truth to people, but we're not responsible for the choice that a person makes to believe something or not. We're not responsible as parents when our kid pulls a bad attitude because we told them no to make sure that they're happy now. Right? That's their deal. We can't control that. Behavior and choices. You can't control what somebody chooses to do as much as you want to. And when you try to affect somebody's choices, somebody's behaviors, and you try to do everything you can, right, to make sure that their behavior and their choices go with, like, what makes you happy, then you become a compliant person. And you begin doing everything you can to change somebody who you can't change. And a compliant person is the one who says, listen, I don't know how to say no. And I will basically give myself away and put myself in situations so I can get what I want to get out of somebody else. And so when you're a compliant person like that, when you don't have boundaries because you don't want somebody else to get offended at your boundaries, then guess what happens? Is you become unhealthy. And so does the relationship. The second one is this, is it's what they call an avoidant. And an avoidant person is the opposite. They say no to the good. So a compliant person says yes to the bad. An avoidant person says no to the good. They say no to the good things that they should be doing. They have, so, they have boundaries that, that don't allow people in at all. So this is the person who, when you're going through a hard time and you're carrying that boulder, you don't want help from anybody. You withdraw from people. You, you close people off and you say, you know what? No, this is mine. I got this. Even though you don't. 
This is the person that says, you know what? I don't need your help. Because you've been taught that to say you need help is actually a sign of weakness. When in reality, one of the strongest things we can do is ask for help when we need it. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, that fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. If we're too prideful to ask and accept help when we need it, the Bible says that's not a wise thing. It's actually a foolish thing to do. So we've got to make sure that we're not people that just try to avoid help from other people, that we try to do it all on our own, that we, we make sure. And, and they talk about this, that you can actually be more than one of these types of people. And so the compliant avoidant person is the one whose boundaries are completely reversed. They're the ones who always say yes to the bad and, and, and no to the good. Like they're the ones who, you know what, they, they want to help everybody out and do everything else for somebody, but they don't want anybody to help them out at all. It's not a healthy way to do it. That's, it's a boundary we've got to make sure is not there. It's an unhealthy one. So you've got the compliant person who really has no boundaries. You've got the avoidant person who has such a strong boundary with people. They never let anybody in to help them, and they don't want to help anybody else. And the third one is this. You have what they call controllers. And the controller is the one that I think we probably would think of when we talk about a person with no boundaries. The controller is the person who doesn't respect another person's boundaries. So they're the people that, that they don't hear the word no, no matter how many times you say it. They're the ones who don't get the hint that you have to go, and they just keep talking, right? They're the ones who, when you said, yeah, anytime, man, come on over, they actually thought you meant anytime, come on over, right? You know, it doesn't matter what's going on. doesn't matter what's happening. They're about what they need when they need it. And there's really two types. There's what they call an aggressive controller. And that's the person who they'll just run you over. If they want it, they're going to get it. They don't care who you are. They don't care what's going on. They make no qualms about it. If they want something, if they need something, if they don't feel like they have control, then they want to control you. But then there's the manipulative controller. And the one who's more manipulative, they don't like come straight out and try to control you. But here's what they do. They try to talk you into it. They try to guilt you into it. They throw out those subtle hints, right? That are kind of like, you know, if, if you're listening, you'll get this hint. And then they'll make you feel bad if you don't respond the way they think you should respond. So this is the, you know, the, the person that, you know, that, that calls and says, what do you mean you're not coming over? I never see you anymore. You never answer my call. You're like, I answer your call all the time but I didn't that one time because they want to control me. And see, here's the thing we understand is that we've got to be careful because if we, if we cross this line and become a controlling person, whether we mean to or not, it destroys relationships. Proverbs 25, 17. This is probably a good verse for us as we talk about getting to know people. Don't visit your neighbors too often or you'll wear out your welcome. This is a controller. You love this person, but you, could, you do not want to be around them. Why? Because you can never win. They're always asking for something more. And they wear out the welcome. Maybe you've been accused of being that controller. And you're like, oh yeah, maybe I am. Well, there's a reason why people are pushing back. Because you're coming on too strong and you're guilting them a little too much. And listen, 
If a person's trying to control you or control your actions, they're not coming from a heart of love. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John. It says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Listen, if a person says that they're trying to, and that they're trying to control you or they manipulate you and they tell you that they're doing it because they love you, they don't truly love you the way the Bible says love. They're trying to control you. And you need to make that distinction. And you need to make sure, because here's what a controller will do. A controller will find a compliant person, and then they'll control that person that has no boundaries. That person that doesn't want to say no, because they don't like to feel guilted. They don't like that you're mad at them. And so they'll try to control you. So if you're that compliant person, you have to watch out for the controllers in your life. And if you have compliant people around you, you have to watch out that you don't become a controller in your life. Because if you do that, eventually it's going to lead to an unhealthy relationship. And the last one is this, is what they call a non-responsive. And a non-responsive person is the exact opposite of a compliant person. Compliant person will do anything for anybody to please them and make them happy. A non-responsive person will not do anything for anybody else. They, they, they don't really hear the needs of others. So this is the, the challenge, I think, in our culture that we talked about is that we can unintentionally become very non-responsive by just focusing on ourselves. Because we can drive into the neighborhood, drive into the house, pull the garage door up, go in, pull it down, avoid seeing people. We can begin thinking, okay, listen, that I've got enough of my own problems. I don't have time for anybody else. And I don't have time to, to be involved in, in what drama is going on over there. And we have to watch that, right? Because we're responsible to help, but we're not responsible for people. You know, but, but we've got to make sure that we're actually responding to people. Philippians 2, Paul writes this, he says, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. That, that we're called, as a follower of Jesus, we're called to respond to the needs around us as much as we can. Look, look, at, what, look what he uh, Proverbs 3.27 says. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's within your power to help. So the, the one extreme is the person who will do anything to the point of being unhealthy to help out and take responsibility for people. But this other person over here doesn't want to do anything for anybody. And typically it's because either they're so consumed with their own problems and their own issues, or they just become hardened to the fact that other people have needs. So healthy relationships, whether they're neighbors, co-workers, spouses, in-laws, people in your homeroom class, like whatever it is, healthy relationships are created through the right boundaries. So here's the takeaway. Here's the question I want to leave with you today. Is our healthy boundaries missing in your relationships? Have you become that compliant person? You know, are you that that avoidant person? Are you the controller? Or do you have that controller in your life that you know is just creating unhealthiness? Are you the non-responsive where you're like, you just, you kind of lost the, the, the point of caring for other people? 
If, if there's unhealthy boundaries or healthy boundaries that are missing in your life, here's the, the follow-up. What boundaries need to be established or reset? What boundaries need to be established or reset? It could be that you need to have a very difficult conversation with somebody who has crossed that boundary. And you need to say, listen, I love you. I'm here for you. But listen, I've got to create some boundaries. And you've got to change some behavior. And you know, especially if you're a compliant person, that that's not going to make you feel good and make them feel good. But at the end of the day, the most healthy thing you can do for the people around you is have healthy boundaries. So what boundaries are missing in your life? What do you need to establish, maybe for the first time, or come back around and reset those? Listen, it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard to know. Well, what's the right thing? How do I, how far do I go? What do I do? And, and, and how do I really even continue to like, okay, I'm responsible to people, but not for people. Like, it's a difficult thing. But in the midst of that difficulty, Jesus said, this is the best thing to focus on. That striving to love your neighbor, to have healthy boundaries, all the hard work is worth it because that leads to life. So where do you need to reset and reestablish some boundaries today? Let's pray together. Father God, I come today thanking you that, God, your word applies to our life in very, very practical ways. And Father God, I want to thank you because, God, we can see in your word, God, the fact that there are some very seemingly simple things, but God, we know they're not easy. But God, you've never called us just to do the easy things. You've called us to do the right things in life. And so God, as we move into this time of just worshiping you and responding and, and really doing some hard work to say, God, what boundaries in my life are missing? What needs to be reset? What needs to be established? God, we, we come at that recognizing this fact. That God, we can only do it through your power in us. God, we're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not experienced enough to know the answer to, to every situation that comes up when we love people. But God, we know that you can. And so God, as we sing this song, just declaring this reality, God, that we need you. God, we need you to help us have healthy boundaries. We need you to help us to know what it means to be responsible to people, but not cross that line to be responsible for them. We need your help to make sure, God, that we're healthy in the things that we do in loving people. And so, God, we ask that you would help us, believing, God, that you will. And, God, as our prayer team comes to the side, as we sing this song, God, maybe there's people here today that they just need some prayer because that boundary was crossed and it hurt them. Or they're struggling, God, with with establishing and maintaining that right boundary for their life. And God, they just need prayer today. God, whatever our response is, we give it to you and ask you to work in our heart during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and respond to him.